The year is 1972. The location is the Dixie Valley in the Nevada desert, located between Job Peak and Mount Augusta. The man is Curtis McAlvin, a longtime wrestling enthusiast who is, uh, well, he's got some ideas in his head. And he's got some followers of those ideas, but he wants to spread the word out. You see, Curtis has for some time now been building a community. A community around some beliefs that he and they hold that not your average church out there in the Southwest would hold, but ones that they believe very fervently. And Curtis decides that the way to not only spread the word, but to elevate his group, we'll call them what they are in a minute, but for now we will call them a group, to the next level and to give them a real event to rally around, is to embrace the world of independent wrestling. And so begins the Arms of Artemis Infernal Face-Off in the heart of the Nevada desert. What's up, casual wrestling fans? My name is Jay. Uh, I use he, they pronouns, and you may know me as one of the hosts of the Marmoset Chronicles A Personal Retrospective. And I am joined by my good friend, Kirsten. Hi, I'm Kirsten. I'm also one of the hosts of uh, the Marmoset Chronicles A Personal Retrospective. But that's not what we're talking about today. It's not. Kirsten, you and I have been tasked with... Uh, well, a task. We, we are here to talk about <clears throat> the, 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 the art, what do you call the, the Arms of Artemis Infernal Championship of Tournaments. They had several names. The name I picked at the beginning there was one of several. Arms of Artemis is, is the shorthand name for it because they just sort of <sighs> went through different bouts, different names for different parts of this. It is the 1970s, Kirsten. Put on it your, is. put on your hippie garb, uh, be mad about the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. It is the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And... It's appropriate that we're given the task of cataloging this particular phenomenon of the 70s because uh, it, it, it's incredibly singular. Mm -hmm. it's, it's incredibly weird. It happened one time and never again. It, and it, is, it, it is a hot mess in every sense of the word. It, 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 it is. It was in the Nevada desert in the middle of summer. It was a very <laughs> hot mess. Kirsten, I want to ask you, what, what, is, what is your general level of wrestling knowledge before we really hot, uh, hop on into this one? So, I, I know probably a uh, high beginner, as they say in the language learning world, I know probably a high beginner level of stuff about wrestling in, on the conceptual level. Mm -hmm. uh, and very little about what's currently going on in wrestling. So I know I know a lot of the theory, but not the practice. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's kind of where I'm at too. I, I know a lot of the terms that are used. Uh, <clears throat> you know, just through osmosis, I listen to podcasts where people will randomly break into conversations about wrestling. I know there is a wrestler named Asuka, which always catches me off guard because whenever I see my friend Jory, one of the normal hosts of this show, talk about Asuka, I think he's talking about the Evangelion character and it confuses me very much. Um, oh, thank <laughs> God he's not talking about Evangelion. We are not here to talk about <laughs> Evangelion. Uh, we are here to talk about the Children of Artemis in the Dixie Valley of the Nevada desert in the 1970s. So Curtis McAlvin uh, is into wrestling. There's some little indie wrestling scenes in the 70s. I have no idea what the level of popularity of wrestling in the 70s is, um, nor will I try to guess. But this guy liked it. Um, at least we assume so. Maybe he thinks he invented wrestling. Maybe he came up with wrestling, not knowing that wrestling existed before him. Uh, that's also possible. So he has this uh, group of a couple hundred followers 
uh-huh. leading this cult in the Dixie Valley. Now they they believe that they are you know they're named after Artemis, who is a a hunter sort of god in Greek mythology. They uh, they, they they believe that their job is to like hunt for truth in the wilds of the world, and, you know, you know, live off the land, that kind of thing. Uh, somehow they they're a not- cult. Yeah, they're a it's, cult. It's cult talk. Everything you know, they say, everything they say is nonsense because we need to, I, I, I'm not sure if we've made this clear enough before. This is a cult. Yep. Uh, you know cults? It's a, like that. A, <laughs> and not not a particularly smart or well-run cult either. No. Like, there are some cults. There are some cults where, like, you need to at least admire, like, the thinking that went into it. This sure. is not one of those cults. This is one of the most brain-dead things uh, that, that has ever happened. And... Yeah. And one of the strangest just phenomenons that not enough people, I think, know about, or if they do know about it, they don't know about the cult part, <laughs> which is baffling to me, yeah. because you'd think, you'd think they would know specifically about the cult part. Exactly. Like, like that, that, that's what's wild. Uh, t- to your point, there are some cults that are started by geniuses, not geniuses, but there are some cults that are started by very smart people, and then there are cults by people, excuse me, and then there are cults starred by people who would have just been followers of another cult, but there wasn't another cult around. Like that, That's pretty much how this goes. And and uh, Curtis McAlvin, it seems, was at least at first part of the latter. But then that changed. Because uh, it was decided a little ways in that, uh, <clears throat> that, that, that something more physical was needed to sort of liven up these people living out here in the desert. And he turned to wrestling to find that thing. Now, public access channels, not very uh, known in the 70s, but there were a couple of them on, like, weird frequencies that you could you could tune into on your, your TV in the 70s, or on the radio. Uh, a lot of this was radio broadcast. So, uh, what Curtis McAlvin decided was, okay, we need to introduce a pantheon of gods uh, into this call. We, he, he wanted to be mm-hmm. recognized as a full religion. So he was like, we need to uh, introduce a pantheon of gods. And how we'll do that mm-hmm. is by introducing them as wrestlers and having different gods duke it yep. out in the mm-hmm. ring to determine the supremacy of the pantheon. And so what you have here is a sort of combination of traditional wrestling, where obviously things are written beforehand. You have your heels and your faces. Things are written out beforehand. You have a combination of that and then, uh, you know, some actual element of audience participation where, which this does happen too, where, where you know, the, the who was booed and cheered the most would determine the outcome of a match. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of heat going on in these. A lot, a lot of negative crowd reactions influencing who would sort of reign victorious over another. And when we say crowd, at first we just mean some people in the desert, but later we mean people driving out in their VWs and... What have you to watch this going down? And it is truly one of the most baffling things to come out of a decade that is known for baffling things. Because, okay, and, and, and here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing that, like, really kind of fascinates me about this whole situation. Um, uh-huh. Which is that People remember this league fondly, and not for the cult part. Like, like, how did you find out about this for the first time, Jay? How did you find out about, uh, like, like this story? Uh, 
Uh, YouTube. Uh, I found like a, a YouTube series yeah. poorly, uh, poorly cataloging some details on it. I definitely mm-hmm. had like <clears throat> a phase of watching, you know, you know, channels that were just about like cults and just like a weird gather, th- Un- weird, weird like unsolved mysteries. They well, yeah. also prob they probably used to read creepy pastas and then ran mm. out of creepy pastas and mm. started talking about unsolved mysteries. Yeah, that and then just like channels that would cover you know like we like early equivalents to public access stuff. You know. Uh huh. So. Here's how I found out about this. I found a VHS tape at the library. Oh boy, did you just randomly pick it up? Yes, when I was about seven years old. Because it was like, you know, it was the, it was a colorful, uh, it was a co- colorful cover of a VHS tape. Uh, they, they used that one poster where they had drawn all the wrestlers, so I didn't actually know I was about to watch live-action wrestling. Mm. Uh, being a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, like a seven-year-old little girl, I was, I was not particularly, I, I didn't think I know what, knew what wrestling was at the time. Uh, I probably would have liked it if I had watched it as, you know, a seven-year-old girl, but I didn't know that it existed, so I wouldn't have picked it up. Uh, uh, but it was, like, this very colorful-looking thing. I thought I was getting a cartoon. Uh, and then I put it in my VHS player, and I hit play, and I sit down, and I watched this. Yeah, do, do, do you remember what match it was offhand, or, like, do you have any, like, phantom of a memory of what match um, it was? So, from what I could gather, what I can gather, like, now that I'm older and I found out about the, what this story really was, and which sent me down, like, a three-month-long research rabbit hole about this, uh, because I was like, oh my god, I watched this when I was seven, and it was cult people beating each other up to become gods, which is a wild thing to realize you witnessed when you were seven. Mm-hmm. So, f- from what I understand, this w- was there were like three VHSs with yeah. like the, the three the three like beginning, middle, and end. I watched the middle part. Okay, okay. So you were watching when a lot of these people were getting more into character and probably getting more onto drugs uh, and getting more into heat stroke, which we'll we'll talk about <laughs> the um the medical ramifications of this tournament for many of its members. Uh, we'll get to that. But yeah, so so um, this was, there were, I think, 16 people. That, that, actually, no, the first, the first chunk of it was a lot of sort of free-for-all. It was anyone who created a, you know, a character, a god, they would come in some kind of costume. It was a lot of, like, some people were just like, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm wearing a jacket with no shirt under it, and I've painted, I've, painted handprints on my face and my name is Mr. Moonbeam. Uh, that is, that is one of them. There was a guy named Mr. Moonbeam who wanted to, who wanted to, to, to be part of the, the, the pantheon of the arms of Artemis. Um, you've got a lot of weird people like that, but eventually there were like, there were 12 who, uh, sort of like prevailed and were fan favorites and, you know, went through some heel turns, some face turns, did some, some early rudimentary tag matches. Uh, and so eventually you had these 12. And so I'm guessing, because I, I, I have seen these tapes, but it's been a while, so I'm trying to remember where where it, where it the middle one picks up. Was that where it's the uh, the six versus six tag team match? Yes, that's what it started with. 
So I need you to... I, I need you to imagine. Let me paint you this picture. Please paint away. Let me paint you this picture. Yep. I am I am seven years old. Uh-huh. Uh, I was... I was very much a, a traditionally feminine little girl. Because that, that, that was very much the uh, environment I was raised in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I liked, you know... Disney princess movies and, uh, you know, collecting dolls and floral dresses, sure. etc. Which is, which is, which, yeah. And then secretly, I also really liked Digimon, but I couldn't tell anyone about that. Because that was for boys! Yes. Uh, so, so binary, I, I imagine- bi- Gender binaries have no place here at the Orange Groves Network. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, this is, the, I promise this is, this is important for context. So... We, we are invoking gender for context's sake only. Yes. <laughs> uh, so imagine I'm coming from this background, and I, I don't know what professional wrestling is. Outside of, I, possibly hearing it referenced on a, uh, sitcom my father watched. And then... Uh, and I sit down expecting, essentially, to see something like Digimon because of the, the very brightly colored thing. Yeah. And I, and I hit play on the VHS player, and all of a sudden, six versus six, like, grown men in very strange costumes yep. are throwing each other around in, like, a, like a weird, like, roped-off fence in the middle of the desert. Yes. The 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 video quality is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also have no way of knowing that this isn't real. Because, so, as said before, I was seven years old. Right, right. And if you were like me at seven, you normally only watched animated things and anything live action was yucky and boring and not for you. Um... Yeah, no, I, I, that's so funny. It's so many, I, I definitely also had experiences as a kid where I would get something that I thought would be an animated thing and then it wasn't what I thought, but they're nothing as interesting as that. It was just like, I remember getting a VHS tape from the library once that had like an animated cartoon baby lady being sassy into a microphone on the cover and I was like, ah, oh, it's a cartoon of some kind. And then it was just a comedian making jokes about how dumb kids are. And I was like, well, this sucks. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no. So you've got, you've got this, these 12 wrestlers who do a six versus six, uh, giant tag team match. They did promos for like several weeks beforehand on the radio. Did you ever, did you ever, I know you and I have both had kind of a fascination with weird early radio shit. Did you ever hear Mm -hmm. any of these promos where it was like them, it it was, it was always... Curtis McAlvin, this main guy, interviewing the different uh, characters, the different wrestlers, and, you know, in in kayfabe, obviously. So you'd have him interviewing, like, my name is Takagi the Night Fox. Okay, Takagi the Night Fox, tell us, what what makes you feel like you deserve a high seat on board the pantheon of the the arms of Artemis? I, I believe in seeking the truth in what one can't see. I believe that if we look into our inner mm-hmm. eye, we will see through the eyes of all who cast their gaze upon us. It was a lot of shit like that, where, like, I'm sure 
if you're real into this, like, if you are one of the uh, couple hundred people in that desert, you are like, fuck yeah, dude. I, I can see through the eyes of all who cast my gaze, their gaze upon me. Hell yeah, that's me. Pass me that peyote. I need some more. Because um, <laughs> there were... There were so many drugs involved in this. Of course. Well, drugs uh, and heat stroke. <laughs> and heat stroke, which is a bad combination. Like, I cannot imagine having heat stroke on a hallucinogen. Oh, God. Uh, I, as someone who has experienced it in two separate, very separate occasions, both heat stroke and a hallucinogen, um, <laughs> uh, I cannot imagine those two things intertwining. Uh, yep. I think that sounds like a fucking nightmare. Uh, are, wait, hold on. I actually, are, are we allowed to curse on the Orange Grove Network? Absolutely. You and I have done it on the Marmoset Chronicles for 20 fucking episodes, so I yeah, hope so. Yeah, but I forgot. Um, <laughs> yes, we are allowed to swear on the Orange Grove's Network. Excellent. Uh, so, th- this is, because this is what has kind of fascinated me about this situation, because uh-huh. it, it it was it, it it is this genuinely successful thing. People loved this at the time. At the time in this area and and then when when the, the like very little national coverage this got, people like really enjoyed watching this genuinely. Uh because I think it felt really authentic because these people bought eventually bought into it because that's what cults do. Yeah. Um and it felt really genuine and it was really and it was really cool. Yeah. Um and it was a Run by a cult, and B, <laughs> run by a completely incompetent cult. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever... Th- th- this is a non-sequitur, I promise it makes sense. Jay, have you ever seen the movie I, Tanya? No, I have not. Great movie, you should watch I, Tanya. Okay. But there's this part where 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 th- it's someone who's being interviewed, and, and he has this line, and he says... I can't believe this worked in a story that is full of boobs. These two were the biggest boobs. (laughs) He says it kind of like that. That's beautiful. Because because this shouldn't have worked because none of these people knew what they were doing. Right, exactly. You you see things at the behind the scenes and like all of their broadcasting equipment is put together slightly incorrectly and held together with duct tape. Yep. And and it like some stuff's just so they they went out into like the the the, the two mountains on the sides of the valley and just grabbed rocks to like you know set up. I, there, there are a couple like cameras mounted on boulders, like stuff There's, like that. Have you seen that one picture? That one behind the scene picture. It's pretty famous where like mm. someone is holding the camera, but and it's this woman and she's wearing what's very obviously like a like a big scarf or pashmina like as uh-huh. a wrap dress and nothing else. Yep, I know that. And the she one. and she looks coked out of her mind because she probably was. Yes. Um and everything everything about this was incompetent. Like people who went there there was no um there there was very little very few facilities, so people would people would go to watch this and then get heat stroke because there was nowhere to buy water. Yeah, because it was the middle of the fucking desert. So th- my question, my my question's always been like, is this Curtis guy actually a really good cult leader? Really good at being a cult leader because he accidentally did all of the things that you're supposed to do to brainwash people into being in your cult, mm. which is like you know isolate them and restrict food and water and, you know, do lots of terrible brainwashing activities and give them 
drugs if you can. Well, I, I think that, that, that that's a very good point because I think the answer lies in, uh, as, as this grows, you know, it's televised on public access, it's, it's on the radio, but eventually what happens is, you know, people get wind of where it is, and there is like a, a town kind of close enough to it that you can, what, what's the town, I was looking at it on the map, I have no idea what degree of town this was at the time, but the town of Fallon, Nevada, uh, is there. I, like, some version of it was there in the 70s. And so, like, it's probably a 40-minute drive out into the valley from there. So you had people going out in, like, their vans and their RVs to watch. And so eventually, yeah. you would have people driving out, hopping on the roofs of their RVs, setting up, you know, big parasols, bringing water. But so, what started happening near the end was that... Parasols? Uh, or not parasols, uh, big umbrellas. What? Um, Jay, Jay, hold on a second. Jay, what? how long ago do you think the 70s was? Because you're not sure if towns existed. You're, do you think people are carrying around parasols? <laughs> I don't I don't know what the fuck was going on in Nevada. <laughs> I don't know. Nevada, as far as I know, Nevada is Las Vegas and sand. The idea <laughs> that there's other places there is still new to me. No. Um... But yeah, you had people going out and watching this, and so McAlvin started, like, selling them bottled water, and near the end, and after the tournament, the people in the cult started to catch wind of this and ask more and more questions, and so he was obviously like, oh, this is just for the heathens to, to you know, make money back so we can continue to glorify our glorious pantheon, but that, the, the publicization of this tournament kind of wound up being why this cult crumbled. A, f a couple months after this tournament. Also, also this cult crumbled because it became very obvious that the Pantheon did not become gods by winning a wrestling tournament. Yeah! As, so, as yeah. genuinely cool as those last few matches are. Because those last few matches are really cool. We, we should talk about those matches. So, yeah, they, they, they were like, yes, you will ascend to godhood. Once this tournament is over, each of you will ascend to godhood in the order of which you are victorious. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the, the number one winner will, will ascend be first. Be the number one god. The number one, you'll be the best god. You'll be, I think it was like, you'll be, you'll be the hand of Artemis. Because Artemis was their main, their main bloke, their main lady. So... We had we had all the all these weird gods. Uh, my 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 favorite was Cheselnik the Face Eater. Mostly just because <laughs> Cheselnik the Face Eater is a great name. And oh, he, you didn't like you didn't like Moss Man. I did like Moss Man. Moss Man also ruled. Um, my favorite thing about Moss Man is that he would go out into Mount Augusta because there was like some little bits of greenery on both of these mountains. Um, he would go out into Mount Augusta and just like roll around in grass. He would he would do mushrooms and roll around in the grass as his pre-fight ritual. There's like video of him doing this and like getting interviewed and just being like I. It helps me. I, 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 I am I am one with the, no, the earth. No, I am one with favorite, the grass and the moss. My favorite is is lie is him lying down, spread eagled, and staring up at the sky. And someone comes over with the camera and puts it in his face, and he goes, "I am one with the moss," <laughs> uh, which has actually recently come back as a meme on Tumblr because yeah. Tumblr is really into moss right now. So I guess which they is are. fair. I'm also pretty into moss. You um, are. You're a poet. You guys are all into like moss and. Ferns and brooks and shit. 
I think I should be offended by that, but I'm not gonna waste energy on it. <laughs> and that and that's and that's how we know we have kept the dynamic strong, Kirsten. Excellent. Uh, uh, but but yeah, like what was always fascinating was whether it was Moss Man or Cheselnik the Face Eater or uh, or the the Night Wolf or whatever the one guy's name was, whoever oh. whoever it was. It, it, there was always, like, the loser of the match. There was, like, a ceremony. It was always... The, the match would go on. They would fight. Uh, sometimes they would bring in weapons. Like, they used the term wrestling loosely. But whoever lost, at the end of it, if, if it was their loss and they were, like, out of the tournament, they would, like... Like, everyone in the crowd had to start chanting. It, it was like a, cer- a weird death ceremony. Mm-hmm. They would pick up the loser and carry him into, like, a lower part of the valley while they picked up the winner and carry him onto uh, one of the two mountains on the sides of the valley. And so each match took a long time because they would have to walk a mile and a half in the blazing sun after it was done. I also, I really liked, um, I liked that all, the you know, most of these people had, like, very grandiose wrestling names. Oh yeah. Uh, and then and then there was Boots. Boots. I can't believe Boots got into the final twelve, but I'm Bo- really happy they did. Boots, whose whole <laughs> thing was that you'll never guess. <laughs> they have boots. They have knee high, red boots. <laughs> and they use them to they kick were like, and stomp around and stuff. They were like they were like galoshes. They were they like. Were- <laughs> Not even like cool gay cowboy boots. Like yeah. nah. This these are like these are like waiters. And I I remember like even being seven and thinking that was kind of lame. Yeah. Well, and, and what's funny is you know I'm sure these were terms that were not being used at the time. But boots was a baby face. But the problem with boots is boots was a baby face while also looking like that. And so <laughs> it was really easy for the other characters to like. If it if it was a character like Cheselnik the Face Eater, for example, was a real bully because you don't get named Cheselnik the Face Eater by <laughs> being nice. Um, Cheselnik the Face Eater would just make merciless fun of Boots's boots, and then <laughs> and that that of course led to the the epic match. I think that probably ends that tape you watched, where the two of them just have this incredible match where where Cheselnik like. Someone is doing stuff with lights to, like, make Cheselnik's shadow behind them seem huge. And they're just, like, shouting at Boots, and Boots is on the ground quiet, crying and whimpering. But then, like, Boots looks up and says, "You can- However much you try and talk down to me, I still know the path that lies ahead for me to tread. And your face is the pavement! And then he, like... Oh Puts his God. palms on the ground and just kicks up and kicks Cheselnik the face eater in the jaw so hard in the that, face that the guy had yeah uh, the face kicker uh, that, that he had to actually be sent to a hospital to like get his jaw put back in place. Yeah, it was uh, wild because this yeah. was uh, again so and. and- also, so this also this kind of added a, a a a sense of urgency to this tournament because you uh-huh. you you as you're watching it and you know either you're buying into this because you're part of the cult and you think this is real or you're you're buying into this because it's the fun of it. But either way, you don't want a, a god that is a face eater to be the head god. That would be terrible. Right. Exactly. So 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 you're sitting there and like it adds this like extra level of urgency to it where you're like oh no like it would be really bad if a bad guy won mm. because 
you know, it's like, uh, it's kind of like a shonen tournament, I guess, where you're like, oh no, there there will be, like, consequences for the world if, like, a bad guy becomes the greatest god. Oh no, I don't want the guy who sucks to be the king, even though, even if he fights better, I want the one who fights better to also be the nice guy who treats me well and lets me have good things. Can I have that, please? But this was also so incompetently run that people were actually getting sent to the emergency room. Yep. Which, uh, that, that shouldn't happen in professional wrestling. Like, I'm no, I'm no encyclopedia of in professional wrestling, but I'm pretty sure, like 99% sure, that you're not supposed to be sent to the actual hospital because of it. Yep. Um, we, and, and of course, and yeah, th- there was that guy, uh, I think, I think Moss Man, like, got poisoning from eating dirt at one point, uh, on state, Moss Man, like, came in and his intro for one match was just looking at the camera and shoving a bunch of dirt in his mouth and eating it, and fully <laughs> eating it, like, Full. you saw him swallow. Peak feral aesthetic, that's what I aspire to be, I'm gonna yeah. run away in the woods, into the woods and become Moss Man. Yeah. Never um, speak to me again. <laughs> Moss Man. Uh, my favorite fight, of course, I, 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 did you ever watch Moss Man versus the Chalice Lord? Uh, is that the one where, like, quote-unquote wine got spilled all over the so, fighting ring? So, and then yeah. it was like, yeah, um, why so, don't you talk about it first? Well, so, yeah, so the Chalice Lord was the lord of, like, festivities. It, you know, it, it was like a, uh, a Dionysus. The idea was it was wine, but also, like, Water, you know, like, like, like life water, like, like, get the, I think, like, they talked about, like, the nectars of God and man and stuff a lot. Um, totally and their gimmick, their gimmick was they would come on into the ring and, like, drink a glass of wine and throw the glass to the ground and let it shatter. And then both wrestlers had to avoid bits of broken glass the whole time they're fucking wrestling. So... Moss Man versus the Chalice Lord. The Chalice Lord and Moss Man had had, like, a feud for a while. I forget why the feud was. I don't know if maybe you know that bit, but, um, the, the Chalice Lord is like, hey, I wish to, uh, I wish to resolve our feud and, and face you now as two equals who wish to join the pantheon of Artemis. And so the Chalice Lord takes two big wine glasses and, like, breaks them both against a rock so they both kind of have sharp edges and just yep. hands one to Moss Man and they have a little, like, duel with the stems of wine glasses. And they're, like, acting like they're fencing foils, but yeah. it's not very impressive because the broken stems of wine glasses are only about three inches, three three to four inches long. They're, they're normal knives, basically. <laughs> You can't fence with knives. You have to knife fight with knives. Those, are two, to- to- those are two totally different stances. <laughs> they're completely different stances. They're different well, art forms. Well, they're different guards, actually, because you see, in uh, there's only two oh guards in knife fighting. There's a uh, oh hammer, God. hammer, and ice pick. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And That's true. Uh, I I, I yeah. understand what you mean when you say that. Uh, actually, when you're. Uh, you know, I'm not going to turn this into a knife fighting lesson, but, uh, anyway. <laughs> Wait, anyway. it'd be so interesting if you did, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, join me next week for the basics of knife fighting. Uh, Welcome to the to Knife Chronicles, a personal <laughs> knife fight. <laughs> personal knife fight is going to be the name of my first collection of poetry. That's great. Uh, That's great. But, um... I've read some of that collection. It fits. There was, uh... 
Anyway, it looks ridiculous because it's the same way. It, it would look like if you were trying to fence with butter knives. Yeah. Uh, and the whole thing is, just, it, it's absurd, and they're taking it completely seriously, which is why it's so much fun. So you're watching it like, wow, this is incredible. Uh, at least, you know, that's what you, you do now when you're watching it on YouTube. And then you have a moment of like, wait, this is a cult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to, like, obviously everything happening is in k kayfabe, and like, I, you know... Again, these cool. terms weren't even around yet, but like, yeah, it's easy to mark out because you're like, yeah, this is so cool. And then you remember, oh, this is a cult. Well, and all this, the this, cults members are the ultimate marks. Th this this is the thing. This is the thing. And this adds like kind of an interesting meta level to talking about wrestling. Because the, uh -huh. the whole, you know, you buy into wrestling and you decide like, yeah, this is, I'm going to have fun with this. Uh, this is just, this is, this is what I'm rolling with. Um... Because, you know, it is it is a play, essentially. It's yeah. a really cool, you know, athletic, acrobatic play. Definitely. It's like circus it's like circus Olay, except less abstract. Objectively cooler. Objectively cooler is I think the words you're looking for. Way cooler. <laughs> um, though 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 Circus Olay professional wrestling is a very interesting concept I'd like to revisit at some other point. I but anyway. let, let, let us contact them with that pitch at a later time. <laughs> um hey Circus Olay uh, uh, hire me as your idea person. Anywho. There you go. Yeah, any any um, has it. Um but so that's the whole that's the whole point, right? The whole point is that like you're just buying into it. However, mm. in this situation, you buy into it because it's wrestling, but it's also s sort of actually factually real because uh, this is an actual factual cult, and these people actually factually did start to um, believe that they would become gods if they won. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, forgive the three uses of the term actual factual, um, and oh, never like mention it. it to me again. I like it. But yeah, no, the, the, the true marks are everyone in the cult. It, it, it gets a little, a little dubious when you start to realize that's what's going on there. Yes, and, you know, then sets are breaking down and people are actually getting hurt yeah and people more people are buying into the cult because the it, it, the thing is and this is the wildest part is that this plan for recruitment kind of worked like people were like yeah this seems this because I'm gonna buy into this on like one level that's the gateway drug for buying into this on the next level yes I um <laughs> My, my, my aunt, I have, I have a, a relative, I have an aunt who's a, who lives in Las Vegas, and she has a friend out there whose mother uh, joined the cult because of these matches, not really realizing that it was a cult, just being like, this is really cool and I want to do fun god fights with these people. And then, on like about the third night out there, she realized it was a legitimate cult. And I think she fled to that nearby town that I guess must have existed at the time. Pardon my ignorance. And, and I just love the idea of, of people actually joining the cult because of this. Especially when, once this tournament ended, uh, we can talk about how it ended in a minute, but once it did, everyone was told, alright, you will be, you will now, like, wait. We will, we will camp out here in the, in the desert however many days or weeks until Artemis reaches down and plucks you out from this mortal coil to ascend you to your god form. Come here, Moss Man. Come here, Chesselnick. Come here, all, all of my, my, my friends. You will become gods now, but you must wait patiently out in the desert. And so, after this, 
what, at least one of these people was hospitalized and couldn't even ever come back. I think, uh, I, I, who, who, who was it? I, I think, I think it was Flame Lord. Yeah, no, it was absolutely Flame Lord because Flame Lord came out into the 110 degree heat, uh, doused in gasoline one day, uh, <laughs> and just and had and had like what? extremely severe heat stroke, what and a then eventually, bad idea. and then eventually was returned to uh, to his family in Colorado. Uh, I, I believe there are like accounts that he uh, he like eventually went to college and became like like a, a coroner or something um or not From a coroner flame. what's no not a, that's extremely the wrong word i was trying to think of a groundskeeper for a graveyard i guess that's just a groundskeeper yes it's super not a coroner <laughs> jay what Any, the fuck anyway but yeah like you know that all happens and they all just kind of wait like after the after this after this series of matches everyone just waits out in the desert and eventually becomes disgruntled and people start to question this motherfucker and be like all right are we going to ascend or what so so i have a question for you go and then how about i pose the question we talk about the final match and then we can answer my question mhm my question is did curtis mcalvin believe in any of this or was he an opportunist trying to make money that's a really good question um i i think the best way to an answer is like were there things at the start of this that were clear signs of him trying to make money but but the thing and the, the thing is because you can you can be I, I think everybody thinks about sometimes how, how genuinely easy it would be to start a cult and just get people to give you their, their money. Like, it's not that hard. You just have to, to like, spin some poetic bullshit about how, like, the truth has been inside of you the whole time. And, like, mm. you feel like a failure because of the world around you. Like, really, deep inside, like, the answers are inside you and the universe loves you. And it and so it doesn't matter that nobody else does, because I do, and so does the universe. Mm. Uh, and then people will be like, wow, you understand me and give me your money. And, and give you their money. However, that's also completely morally bankrupt. So most people don't do it, but I'm sure I think everyone's thought about that, right? Or is that just yeah. me? <laughs> no, I, I, I listen, listen. We've all we've all been like working at dead end jobs and being like, man, I would rather do anything else for money. <laughs> How morally bankrupt do we want to get? Um, fuck, but, fuck this job at Six Flags. I'm 16. I'm gonna go start a cult around. I don't know. There's a lot of woods out there. I live in upstate <laughs> New York. I'm Jay Petroquin in 2011. D didn't you... Quick side note before we talk about this last match. Didn't, yeah. didn't you, like, get third degree burns while working at Six Flags? Second degree burns. Twice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I worked in food service, and, you know, most of the food service there was your typical fryer shit, but... Uh, there was this one place that had these big gimmicky cast iron grills that we would cook like Philly cheesesteaks on and stuff. It was outdoors and that was where I worked that whole summer. And one day, uh, someone had a bunch of really hot oil on the pan and I was told to put what I was told was thawed chicken down on it. And I put a block of completely frozen chicken down on it because <laughs> is a liar. I don't think you could say his name. I I'll, I'll edit that bit out. Um, okay. But yeah, and I, I got like a meteor's field of burns up my arm a week before my dad and I went to Nantucket and Cape Cod. So I couldn't go swimming because I had a big, a big bandage all up my arm. 
That's really sad. And then later I got hit in the hand by a hot spatula another day and got a, a burn shaped like a dinosaur footprint on my hand. <laughs> and that one was at least kind of fun. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, Alright, so... Okay, okay. Segway. Segway. <laughs> the... One of the two people in the final match wasn't not dinosaur-themed. I could never tell if that was supposed to be a dinosaur or a dragon. I was a dragon kid, so I thought it was a dragon. Mm, I, I was definitely more of a dinosaur kid, so I, I think I probably went that way. Yeah, it, it, it was like, I mean, not this is not to say that this man was artistically designed. He was, he was a dude... <laughs> Just about the opposite of that. He was a dude who found some bones somewhere. <laughs> I I think the skull he was wearing was a deer skull, but he designed the rest of his costume to make it look like, like, he gave himself wings that he, like, to be fair, Marrowopolis the Bone Crusher was one of the more, like, technologically, or not technologically, just, like, technically, you know, apt people here. He made wings that he had, like, little cords on and then would pull these little things, like, on his body, on his torso, that would make them flat. He was uh, he was a he was a costume designer for one of the casinos, I think. Like yeah, one of the I, shows. I, I think you're right. Which which like I believe I read that he went back to work there after this, so I wonder how much he was really in the cult versus <laughs> how much he was just here for a good time. Oh my god, is that what you think like people like like nowadays he'd just do cosplay? In the seventies, when when there was no outlet for cosplay, he's like, "Well, I guess I have to join a cult to live out my my dinosaur skeleton man fantasies." It's what you did. Star Wars was just on the cusp of coming out. Like <laughs> it, it was what you did then. But yeah, so you had Marowopolis, and then uh, who, who remind me of Marowopolis's opponent at this point? Uh, the Great King Petrie. <laughs> yes, of course. I don't think he really had a theme. I think he was just kind of like the king. Yeah, I, I was always a little confused how King Petrie got to, like, be one of the final ascenders to the Pantheon. Like, well, he did, like, hit people with his crown. I guess that was kind of funny. Th there was, yeah. Um, versus Moss Man, he, like, put the crown on Moss Man's head, pulled another crown out from behind his back, and just started banging the crowns into each other to give Moss Man a really bad fucking headache. Yeah. That was, uh, that was pretty fucking amusing. Yeah, King Petrie was interesting. So they do this at, they, they, they do this at sunrise. So of the whole course. time this is happening, uh, uh, the, the, the golden colors of the Nevada sunrise are coming up around us. Uh, mm. the, the, the ring is fence posts and rope. And sand. And lots of sand. <laughs> so much sand. Lo a lot of sand. So... Two, and these two enter the ring. Uh-huh. You have the most impressive costume and the least impressive costume because uh, yep. King Petrie looked like he got all of that from his grandmother's closet. Yeah, he really did. Um, I'm pretty sure that cape was just, like, a blanket that was probably hand-knitted lovingly for him by an old and ailing relative. Um, <laughs> King, King, King Petrie, like, you know that picture of the guy, like dressed up, wearing a bunch of computer parts, and with, like, a staff made of CDs or whatever that says, don't worry, I'm from the internet. Yes, I think so. King Petrie looks like 
like one of that guy's great grandparents. Like somehow King Petrie led to that guy. Great grandparents. Um, Again, how long ago do you think the seventies were? I'm not saying in terms of real time. I'm saying in terms of like degrees of separation you need to get there. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. But but I stand by that. That's what he looks like. Cause he's he's just kind of this fat nerd wearing a shitty crown and cape, uh, and then like a tuxedo under it. But he would always. My favorite thing is when he billows the cape up so he can take off the tuxedo jacket under the cape without removing the cape. Which is a, f- a fairly impressive thing to do, I suppose. He was he was a large man, too, so just physiologically speaking, he had some obstacle to get around and he got around it, and I, I find that applaudable. And then they fought. And then they fought. Um... A lot of these matches, you know, would be a little bit of fist fighting, but like none of these people, except for uh, for for Malachi the Punch Demon, who unfortunately went out pretty early. None of the rest of these seem to have a lot of like legitimate fighting training or anything. So when we say amateur wrestling, we do in fact mean really amateur wrestling. And you know, this is this is in the seventies where like the idea of what wrestling would become wasn't near where it would be. So yeah, it it was you know. Uh, he came out with his crown, Meroopolis came out with his wings and did the thing where he flaps them menacingly and then just, like, breaks one off of his back and fights with it. And they start just sort of, like, smacking each other. And <laughs> and the thing is, like, everyone there is so into it and screaming that, like, you're watching it. And it's one of those things that it's, ver- it's a very different watching experience with and without audio. Because without audio, you're just kind of like, what the hell is going on? And then with audio, you're like, this is the greatest thing in the universe. Yeah. They, it, they, they really do, like, make it seem like this is the biggest thing in the universe. And somehow... The, this this one fight is filmed so well. I don't know if someone like took so many drugs that they gained knowledge of how cinematography works through like <laughs> string theory. I don't know. They, they they were touched by Lensopolis, the the film god. Do you ever you ever trip so hard you accidentally learn cinematography? Not yet, but boy, am I hoping to get there one day. Don't uh, here here's a, here's a pro tip. Don't go to college. Just take uh, just take so many hallucinogenics that the knowledge of college falls into your brain from the heavens. Disclaimer, God damn it, Kirsten! Why didn't we do this? You're in grad school. <laughs> that's such a joke. Please take drugs responsibly. Please take um, drugs responsibly, and only the ones that don't cause too bad harm. Anywho. Any uh, any what, yeah. So they uh they fight and there's a, this these epic sweeping camera motions somehow. Mm. And everyone's screaming and 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 Meroopolis pulls off his other wing and and the king is is hitting him with with his crown and you think you're like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? And what happens is stabbing. Yep, what happens? Genuine stabbing. Actual stabbing. Yeah, so, um, Petrie, King Petrie doesn't have a great time by the end of this. Uh, because this the, I shouldn't be laughing, this isn't funny. It, it, it isn't funny. A man got like, stabbed. Yeah, a man got stabbed by the sharp ends of a pair of dinosaur wings. Um, cause, cause yeah, Meroopolis broke the wings off and we... Yeah, you don't really know if he intentionally stabbed him or just hit him weird, but he fucking stabbed him with the sharp ends of those wings. And then, there's, I, 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 
I, I don't know if this is some kind, it's not a, it's not like a, a heel turn or a face turn. I don't know what you call this. A shoot happens. A shoot is shot. A shot is shot. King Petrie's visibly bleeding. <laughs> and, uh, you know who, whose character loves the taste of blood? Well, it is, of course, Cheselnik the Face Eater. Uh, canonically, one of his gimmicks is he loves the smell and taste of blood. So Cheselnik is, like, in the audience, and he just goes like, Aha! This is my chance! And he leaps the fence and, like, makes a show of, like, pushing Meroopolis off of poor Petrie, who is literally bleeding. And Cheselnik just, like, puts his face to Petrie and just goes, Like he's fucking, like, trying to drink his blood. And goes, I have been reborn! I am now Cheselnik the King Eater! And then begins part two of this match, the improved in Meroopolis the Bone Crusher versus Cheselnik the King Eater. While Petrie is carried safely out of the ring. Yes, because the only competent people, the, the, the only two competent people in the entire, in this entire situation are the two people that got Petrie out of the ring. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, I'll be honest, uh, the, 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 this, the Meroopolis and King Eater fight is, like, actually kind of a genuine fight because, uh, the, 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 the Cheswick is, like, was actually this kind of, like, a big dude, a big buff mm. guy. Yeah, he he looks like he'd play like uh like a, a pretty imposing villain in a Mad Max movie. Just to sure. pull one of the other things we always come back to. We always come back to. <laughs> so so he uh he's actually pretty intimate. He's actually a pretty big dude, and, yeah. and uh, Meroopolis is not a big dude, but he has an intimidating costume. Unfortunately, in an actual fight, intimidating costumes don't help you that much. Yeah. So, uh, what follows is this kind of, like, weird cat-and-mouse game. Uh, my favorite part is when, uh, Meruopolis panics and throws one of his wings at him as if that'll- as, like it's a fucking batarang. Yeah, um, and misses completely! Like, uh, and if- it, it would be very cool if, like, something interesting happened with that, and that probably would have happened if it was scripted, but this isn't scripted. This is a cult. <laughs> Remember, everybody, it's a cult! I need to keep reminding- <laughs> That should be the slogan, this isn't scripted, it's a cult. <laughs> That would be a really great uh, subtitle for something. Um, that's that's just that's just the subtitle for Midsummer. <laughs> but so they're they're uh, they're fighting, uh, and and then uh, I like the, the the King Eater does this weird like tackle thing, and gets his arms. He's bending down. And he has his arms around Meropolis's legs, and he stands up and flips him upside down. Yep. I don't know if there's a name for that. I don't really care. It looked cool. Is but that this a is a suplex? Cult. Is that what a suplex is? No, that is not what a suplex is. Okay, you know, did you know one more did you thing know, than I do. Did you know that that's actually pronounced souple? Wait, is it really? Yeah, it's a French word. <laughs> Are you fucking with me? No. Are you? This sounds like you're fucking with me. Absolutely not. Souple? You, you say souple. <laughs> I don't believe you. That's fine. You don't have to believe me. Hold on. I have to Google this right now to give my honest reaction. Suplex. Fuck you. Pronunciation. I just found a pronunciation guide that says suplex. Yeah, uh, you, you pronounce it souple. Anywho. All right. uh, but, uh, well, yeah, with he, cheese. He, 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 he flips him upside down and he, yeah. and he 
and he lays him down on the sand, and Meroopolis, who again proves that he might be the sanest person in this cult because he does not get up again and start fighting the King Eater. And then the King Eater raises his arms, he is victorious, he is going to be a god. He actually thinks this because again, this is a cult. Mm-hmm. And then everybody is screaming, and then that's where my VH, the, the, the most of the recordings and the VHS tapes cut off. Yep. What people don't know is that after that, the, the like you said, the cult completely falls apart because they were not, uh, they did not ascend to godhood. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, 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 they did ascend to godhood. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Cheselnik is a huge heel. Like he's he is a bully. He's an asshole. He is the one who you didn't really want to win. He's the one who like, oh, if this guy wins, it's a threat. It's a problem to our at that point way of life. Um, these people believed. Uh, and, and so, like, that, there was a lot of animosity quickly brewing around, like, how could we have let this guy win? I can't believe Petrie didn't do better. I can't believe Meroopolis didn't do better. Meroopolis was pretty quickly driven out in shame. That's probably why that guy is just, like, back at that casino now. And, uh, and yeah, and then... A few months later, by, by a few months later, uh, things fell the rest of the rest of the way apart. Eventually, eventually, Curtis McAlvin got arrested for uh, endangering the lives of people and inciting this whole thing. He he is he eventually died in prison, which is kind of unceremonious. But um, yeah, you know, he kind of like encouraged a lot of shit here and endangered a lot of people's lives. Um, Cheselnik, the guy who was Cheselnik, was also wanted by the police, but like disappeared. He was last seen, like, the, the last publicly known record is he was seen getting off a plane in Alaska, and no one has seen him since. I assume least, he's, he's still in the Alaskan wilderness fighting bears with his bare hands. Fighting bears, eating faces. And the thing is, like, it took, it took probably two, like, like a year or two for anyone to realize this was an actual cult. Yeah, and then it yeah. took even longer for this to hit, like, the actual public consciousness that this happened. Yeah. Like, if you're listening to this, like, this happened? Yes, this happened. This happened. Um, this this was and, real. And, and, and you know, sometimes the, this is the kind of thing that, you know, the History Channel will take and run with because it's so weird. There There is not as much coverage on this as... as, as You'd think there would be. You would think that there that all of those like YouTubers who used to read creepypastas who I, I mentioned before would be all over this because it is so weird. But I think it's like so weird that it's actually not cool anymore. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it somehow completes the horseshoe effect of insanity where it's so insane that it's not cool anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a little too far. Uh, I don't know. I still find it fascinating. Oh, I, it's definitely fascinating. Yeah. And, and so, like, you know, eventually, like, all this time passes and some company gets a hold of the rights to all this footage and puts it out on VHS. There were always rumors that that money was going back to Curtis in jail or to some offshore account that he owned. Uh, I don't know if he was smart enough to have that, but maybe. Was Curtis... A, a very dumb person who lucked his way into this working. Because it worked for a while. It or did work for is a while. This, or is this one of the smartest cult leaders ever? Right. So, did he believe this, or was this all for profit? I, I feel like the amount of setup and the specificity of what he did by creating this, it makes a lot more sense to me if it was for profit. At the very least, 
even if he did, let's say he did believe it. Let's 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 indulge that possibility for a moment. Okay. If he did believe in what he was doing, then I think he must have believed in it, but also consciously went, "What is the most marketable way for me to encourage the growth of this thing that I do in fact believe in?" That's one possibility. The mm-hmm. other is that he did not believe any of it and was just manipulating people to try and make money and create a weird empire of people fighting in the desert. Maybe he dreamed of selling tickets year after year to have the annual the annual Arms of Artemis tournament. You know, this annual competition of people dressing up like gods and fighting. Who knows? Yeah. And uh does it I guess I guess it, the question is does it does it like matter if he knew what he was doing or not? I'd say kind of yes. Well, yes, but also he's dead now and most of the people involved are dead now. Yeah, uh... Or or just really old. And there's so much, like, just... It's just so weird. It The, the fact is, most of the people who are in this are dead now, and I think, like, it's weirder to think that, they, that... There's no evidence and there's no, like, oral records of these people being like, I was there in 1972. I was... I was Kelvin the Sea Spinner. I I went out in the second round against Moss Man, you know, like there's there's not a lot of people Moss left to Man. L- l- you know, there's people left to talk about it, but it's mostly just the people who are either out there in the desert watching or listening to it on their radio while going about their lives. And that must have been weird at the time too, is you know, being a regular kid in like Arizona or New Mexico or Nevada and hearing Hearing this on the radio, maybe just like having the radio playing while you're out in your yard playing with your dog or whatever you do when you're a child. I've never been one myself. I'm an immortal. Um, I'm the real god. I'm Cheselnik. <laughs> but you know, like being one of those kids and hearing that, and not knowing what it is, much like you did when you found that VHS tape. Uh, I, I I was like I was like 19 when I found out about this. I did not have that same experience. I wish I was 19 when I found out about this. 19 you, sounds like an ideal age to find out about this. It was me and some friends uh, imbibed in some liquor and just drank and watched them one night. It was great. It was great. What well, once I was in Canada and we we were at a hotel in Canada and turned on the TV and one of them was just playing on some channel that played weird old fights and stuff. Like, they do that show like up... sounds something that would happen in Canada. They do show up here and there, once in a while. Um, yeah, you know, it was that in between, I don't know, bear fighting and... and hockey, uh, hockey highlights? Yeah, hockey and ice fishing or whatever. So, so, um, so bear fights? Because that's kind of what hockey fights. Yeah. Yeah, that and, yeah, and the this letter kind ho- wasn't... Letter Kenny wasn't on at the time. This is a hockey podcast now. I can actually talk about hockey. Um, That's cool. Yeah. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I don't know. I I feel like that kind of covers the arms of Artemis. Is there anything else you want to get out about it? Just that it is this very weird meta moment where watching them now is weird because you're watching it and you buy into it immediately pretty much because that's what you do when you watch wrestling and then you need to remind yourself that, oh, this isn't all fake, this is a cult. And that that weird meta tension is probably the, the the most interesting thing about it to, like, go back and revisit as something, like, more than just a really weird moment in history and another thing that makes the 70s fucking weird as hell um it's a very weird twisty meta thing and um 
I I wish I believed that Curtis was smart enough to have weaponized that on purpose. But yeah, I don't think he was. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think you're you're probably right about that. And uh, that's that's kind of my final thought is that I, I I almost wish this guy was more evil, so this could have been done on purpose. Not as he yeah you know at the end of the day, not as evil as Chesilnick the Face Eater, the King Eater, the King Eater. Uh, Kirsten, where can people find you on the internet? Ah, uh, yes. Follow my very rarely used social media at this point. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Kirsten M. Writes, I think. That sounds about right. And I'm on Instagram at the same handle. Uh, I, I have kind of forgotten to use Instagram for the past four months or so, uh, cause quarantine will do that to you. Uh, I'm on Twitter sporadically to yell about random bullshit, but I'm... F- more active there than Instagram right now. Uh, what about you, Jay? Where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Extreme Salsaing. Unlike you, I am terminally online, and so you can find me there. Uh, you can also find me on Letterboxd at Extreme Salsaing. Um, we were talking before we started recording about stuff we've been doing since we really did this last. I have wound up watching a shit ton more movies in like the back half of this year than I probably have in the couple years before that combined honestly uh and so i've been i've been logging that there i've made some lists uh, i'm i'm working my way through all of robert zemeckis's movies right now which is a huge and wildly variant catalog <laughs> um but yeah I, i'm cataloging stuff there uh eventually this year i will hopefully be announcing a new thing so keep an eye on my twitter for that also uh as you might have noticed we are not the usual hosts of casual wrestling fan podcast this has been part of the uh show swap that was part of one of our uh donation tiers from extra life 2020 thank you so much to everyone who tuned in we raised a lot of money there we we did a lot more than than the first year we we, we really like exceeded a lot of goals um uh, it was Really exciting to be part of that. Thank you if you tuned into any part of it. Thank you if you tuned into my 6 a.m. Nuzlocke block. That was a great time, especially once we figured out what we were actually doing. And uh, listen to uh, the Marmoset Chronicles of Personal Retrospective if you liked what we did here today. Uh, there are 20 episodes there of us doing kind of similar things, but they're about the Marmoset Chronicles, a series of classic classic films that you will know about like you never did before movies that you've definitely seen because they are perennial classics because because they're real yeah just like just like the arms of artemis these movies are real cultural touchstones cultural touchstones even yes so thanks thank you for watching uh take care of yourselves take care of each other and people in your community and people in communities that need help and uh have a great rest of the day bye Meroopolis the Bone Crusher was pretty like technically well suited. Like he he wore man, we had the face eater and the bone crusher. Jesus Christ. Hold on. Hold on, I need a second to process that one. What well, you need a whole, you need a second for Meroopolis the Bone Crusher. Yeah, hold on, I broke there. Hold on. I miss doing this. Mero okay. Yeah. Meroopolis the Bone Crusher. Um, uh, you, you 
Yeah, that's good. That has to be an outtake, but I hope you do something with that outtake. <laughs> I'll, 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 like, put that after the ending music. Um, okay. But, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It, like, delayed reaction got me. Um, 